As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Jonathan Pierce's sex rate. Glenn Murray's pluralising. Netflix visiting our old stamping ground. The inevitable story arc of the Crucible Pigeon. England Games on Channel 4. The proverbial Rogie. The kicks every ball managerial league table. Can a penalty ever be a guilt-edged chance? The what a way to open your account for Team X goal of the season. The respective in-trays of Emmanuel Macron and Elon Musk. And who Richard Keyes thinks should have got the Manchester United job. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 156 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me slightly belatedly is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Good, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Let's return to Popmaster, shall we? Scott Mills in for Ken Bruce last week, says Gene McGurk. And it's almost like they're not allowed to say it when he's not there. Um, so I know you're also a big fan of Leeds FC. Oh, I know. Oh, it's, it'll suffer for your art, don't you? What a stress. What a stress. What a stress. <laughs> don't see for my sins when I'm not there, please. <laughs> That's like one of those games where there are cert- there's, there's a game I think where there's a, there are certain words you're not allowed to say, mm. and if you say it, it ends your go. Yeah, danced around it. I thought at first you were going to say that it is in a way of like, you know, the... It's like having a director of football that the head coach can change, but the philosophy remains the same. Yeah. It, looks like the, it looks like the opposite of that, that you, it's absolutely only him who can do it, that there's, yeah. you know, his deputies aren't allowed. doesn't strike me that Scott Mills is much of a football guy based on that clip, but I'll tell you who is a football guy. David Walker. Uh, listener Billy asks, perhaps you're the best place to answer this. He says, I was listening to Five Live and the commentator says, Watford are running out of games thick and fast. Can you run out of games thick and fast or could they only come at you thick and fast? How does it feel for you? Can you run out of games thick and fast? No, you can't, can you? <laughs> no. You can't. You can't. Goes again. It's the very antithesis of thick and fast, Charlie. Thick and fast means things happening quickly, but also in great concentration at the same time. And that's not really relevant to games running out at the end of the season, is it? The games are coming thick and fast. It's, you, you, mm. can't, you can't mess with that. Yeah, but games can be running out, Dave, of course. It very much feels like Watford's have been running out of games since September, <laughs> to be honest mm. with you. But yeah, here we are. Could yeah. this season be the equivalent of... Uh, like you could have all the games you want and you still wouldn't stay up in a kind of like they could they could play all night and not score sort of thing. <laughs> we could play yeah, we could play for five seasons and not yeah. reach forty points. <laughs> Feasible. I bring Feasible. I bring that up having been chastised and I think rightly, I held my hands up at the time and I've I've obviously reflected on it a lot since. I, I was saying 
Spurs against Brighton was a game they could have played all day and not scored. But it was pointed out to me that that's generally for games in which you've created a lot of chances, whereas theirs was they weren't even creating chances. Where, where do we where do we stand on that? Mm. Oh, it's a bit of a grey area. Yeah, yeah, I think you need to have been knocking at the door, Dave, don't you, for that? Um, but if you don't look like scoring at all, mm. I think that's still... That still works, right? Because there's no, if there's no even hint of a sort of attempts at goal, I think I think yeah. that kind of still works. I can't, yeah. Having thought about it, uh, I think there is I a little bit. Okay. You know, those games where you're, not, you know, it, let's say it's it's that type of game, and you play a long pass, and it drifts out for a goal kick. Mm. It's over here. Mm. I think it wouldn't be ri- ridiculous at that point. It's the 87th minute. The game's drifting to be like they could play all day here and not score. I do, I do fear that it's more into kind of well, that sums up their afternoon yeah, territory. It, it never really got going, it, Tottenham. It does never really got going. It certainly does sum up their afternoon. But um, yeah, I, I think the, the the true use is probably the. Although is is that more just it's not their day where you start you start to feel it's not their day when they start having lots of shots that just somehow aren't going in. Is it more that yeah, territory? That- yeah, that's when sort of good saves deny them and the lady luck is yeah. not smiling upon them. But but sort of general midfield ineptitude, I wouldn't say is urgent enough to warrant they could have played all day and that's still not scored. It, it doesn't imply hammering away haplessly at something. But yeah, it, 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 it's, it's not a pressing issue for us, I have to say. <laughs> but yeah, good that you're policing yourself. Let's get on with the adjudication panel then for this week. I want to start with this one. This is from Charlie Cooper and many others, actually. There's nothing sophisticated about this. There's no pseudo-philosophical debate to be had about the nuance of the language of football in the heat of the moment. It's just Jonathan Pierce and his BBC Radio 5 Live co-commentator, Chris Sutton, discussing the permutations of the relegation battle. Have you, have you done a little points tally for teams at the bottom? Do you do boring things like that? I certainly do. I'm very proud of it, yes. Thank you very much, Chris. So who, who have you got to go down then? Well, at the moment, up the bottom two I don't think will survive, and then I think oh. it'll go to goal difference between Everton, Burnley and Leeds, because I think they'll all finish on 40. Wow. Yeah, and Palace will have 42 and Villa will have 44, but they're the worrying team for me, Villa. Mm. Agreed. And how many years have you done this for? Well, I'm proud to say 42 years in a row now, Chris. And, uh, and how many years have you been right out of that 42? Well, I'm proud to say, Chris, nine times out of 42. Have you really? Yes. Nine times? No times. No times. <laughs> you know, I talk about managers' success rate. I've got a 0% sex rate. Sex oh. rate? <laughs> it's that as well. <laughs> <laughs> How wide's that Ailey? Ailey's crossing to the middle. And it's backed out of the air. I was so hoping they wouldn't score then. Don't. Oh dear. Incorrigible. Mazar on the left hand side. Nil nil. Eze. Five live. A live sport. <laughs> yeah, nothing sophisticated about that, Dave. Just just people cracking up on air on BBC Radio Five Live, which is I, just fills my heart with with glee. Really, it was lovely. Excellent. Yeah, the beauty of of live radio mm. there for you. I actually made the very same Freudian slip once when I was interviewing the um, at the time Bristol Rovers manager John Ward. I went to say success and said sex, and the whole interview just collapsed around me. Right. It's hard. When that happens. It does bring to mind a little bit that famous John Inverdale, he tries to say rose-tinted glasses and says rose-c-worded <laughs> glasses. And the, 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 his kind of attempts to recapture the situation is one of, one of the great yeah. moments in audio, the history of the spoken word, I would go as far as to say. <laughs> Slightly less understandable, that yeah. one, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Go out your way <laughs> no, I think it is, because I think he's, I think he combines tinted and coloured. I think that's mm. all he does. Rose coloured, mm. rose tinted. Yeah, there and you go. It's, <laughs> it's, you can see, you can see his journey. <laughs> mm, you certainly can. Uh, Jonathan Pierce started out superbly there. He really yeah. did gather himself eventually, but he allowed just enough. Just enough background mirth, which was really, really nice. Well done, everyone involved. This next question comes from one of our US soccer colleagues at The Athletic, Alexander Abnos, who was, uh, who was watching Chelsea-Arsenal last week on US TV. And commentator Arlo White said of Cesar Azpilicueta's goal that Gary Lineker would have been proud of that. 
referring to the finish. Charlie, it says, it leads me to the question, what are the elements required for proper use of the person X would have been proud of action Y construction? Does person X need to be associated with one of the, one of the teams? Does action Y absolutely have to be within the oeuvre of something person X would have done while playing? Are there any actions or persons for which this cliche can never be used properly? Alexander's very, very much into this, if you had to say. Um, I, I feel like it just, you don't have to have an association between hypothetical player X and and topical club Y. Yeah, it's not an absolute prerequisite. I think the gold standard would be uh, that before the game, for whatever reason, a club legend was introduced to the crowd. Maybe they had once scored against this team in their career, or they just happened to be the club legend on that day that was brought back. And there was something made of it. And then a goal was scored in a manner befitting him um, would kind of be ideal. Let's say Clive Allen was at was at the Spurs game and then someone and then a, a defender scored and it's like well Clive Allen would have been proud of that that's the idea yeah, but I don't think you yeah. need it necessarily okay yes yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good kind of kind of sweet spot for it Dave I would say the driving force here is that the hypothetical person X needs to be so overwhelmingly associated with that particular act he needs to be you need to absolutely nail it when you when you pick that person and Lineker whilst being an the ultimate poacher, perhaps, perhaps slightly, slightly a dated reference, but I'd still say it's pretty good in terms mm. of in terms of the person to choose. Yeah, I think the association needs to be so strong that if you were in a quiz and somebody was reading out their <laughs> style of play Wikipedia section, you'd be able to good. guess it straight away. Very good indeed. Absolutely right. Um, we, but Alexander Abnas's queries don't stop there, Charlie. He says, and finally, is the line referencing how Person X would have felt had they themselves done the action in their heyday? Or is it referencing how that person feels in that moment when they're presumably not out there playing for whatever reason? (laughs) Uh, I said to him that it's probably how they would have felt at the time in their peak doing that act. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that would be my understanding as well. That's the higher bar, right? Yeah. Lineker now sitting there going, what? That'd be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think because now he'd probably just want to be out there. So yeah, I think it's talking about him in his pomp. Yeah, Dave. Alexander signs off with this. There's a good chance I'm overthinking it, he says. He's he's among friends, though. So uh, <laughs> yeah. don't feel bad. Don't feel bad at all. Glad you asked. Glad you asked. Next up, this is also from Stanford Bridge last week. This came from Matt Q and Dan Qville, who noticed a little quirk of Glenn Murray's co-commentary on BBC Radio 5 Live and a welcome and new entry to a well-worn subgenre. I, I see Havertz come on and he, he is involved already more in play, but I think that's more because he's, he's almost a, a hybrid forward, isn't he? He's a, he's a forward come midfielder and he doesn't mind drifting out to your left and your right and picking up the, the, the ball in situations where he's definitely not going to score and he's, he's going to ultimately be the assister. And, and... <laughs> that's what I think we're done with this, Dave. Someone comes back with your lefts and your rights. Um, I mean, in, in the pantheon of unnecessary pluralization it doesn't get better than that well if you think about it there are two lefts and two rights on the football pitch from if you look at it in each half he'd be playing on a different left and in each half wouldn't he and a different right in each half Mm. yeah in the physical part of the pitch so in the first half the right hand side would would be down that side then when you flip it round, he'd be he'd be on on the other side going the other way astonished by this firstly no obviously not and I th- my my first instinct when you started talking was that you were going to talk about the defensive left and the attacking right as two separate things, which would which, which also would work. Of a point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. could have gone with that, but no, you went with a weirder one of <laughs> actual blades of grass on the pitch. Good good attempt to stick up for him. Um, Glenn Murray presumably did play for Watford at some point, so no wonder your allegiances. <laughs> he did on loan in the Championship at the start of last season. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like how many triangles are in a triangle or whatever. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm, yeah, I certainly do. Or like when uh, Sky's Patrick Davidson puts his daughter's maths homework up on Twitter for everyone else to have a go at. Cheating, isn't it, Charlie? It's cheating. That's not on. <laughs> that, that, and not the on. integrity of the competition we hear a lot about in relation to football. And I, w- I would apply that to maths as well. Can I just also say, just because from that game, we've had a couple of clips. I tweeted this at the time. And, and it's, it's an epidemic. It's carried on since. The it's in our own handsing. The amount of in our own handsing. And People are obsessed with well, this. I, it's just been used so much. And I do think there's a, there's a slightly different thing. If it's in your hands, but it's also in your rival's hands... That's not a pure it's in our hands, I don't think. Because it's, it's, not, it's not exclusively in your own hands. 
No, I think it needs... It, yeah, the meaning has started to creep. Yeah. A bit. It's become a more of a kind of philosophical narrative thing rather than a mathematical thing. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I just mean... So, like, with Arsenal Spurs, it's in both teams' hands because they, play, they play each other. other. Yeah. But I think mm. that's that's not quite a pure it's in our hands. I think that's just quite a rare scenario, but Maybe. I would accept it. It's both within their power to achieve the objective that they need. Yeah. So it's both in their hands. I suppose. I suppose, but It's in both of their hands. It's in, it's in both. <laughs> But it's uh, it's getting a huge airing at the moment. Yeah, it certainly is. Next up, the immortal words from Liam Tharm, who says, Might be a bit niche for you. Nope. But watching Anatomy of a Scandal on Netflix, 15 minutes and 24 seconds into episode three. Is Angela ready? Chomping at the bit. It's champing. What? She's champing at the bit, not chomping. <laughs> yes. I watched this. I watched this last week. Binged all the way through it last week, and it is it is so bad, but also oh, is it? quite quite watchable in that way. Um, no one speaks like a human being at all. But this bit, they're in the back of a, of a London taxi when this mm. this happens, and I I I almost punched the air with delight when this <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, looking forward to Sienna Miller's Mezzala Dick soon, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> we we we've been over this, haven't we, many times? Yeah. And, and stamping and stomping. When that, that should be in the next series. Great to see it permeating into the uh, beleaguered streaming giant Netflix. <laughs> uh, Maligned uh, streaming giant. Right. Uh, question for you now, Dave, from Matt Hibbert. Hopefully a open and shut case. One for the panel to discuss, he asks. Where does Dwight Gale go next, despite signing a three-year extension at Newcastle last summer? General consensus is Watford. Mm, I don't understand. No, not, not really... We sometimes get lumped into this. There's been a, num- a number of times on this podcast over the years. Can't think uh, why Watford get lumped as an up and down Premier League Championship yeah, hybrid but, club but, who signed loads of players. But we've never really signed a Dwight Gale type, really. I think he, maybe not in recent years, but I could see him at Norwich. It's quite Burnley, maybe. He as well was in our Turkey, our few future Turkish Super League eleven. So mm, he was. We'll be yeah. keeping a very close eye on. He's that. been at West Brom, hasn't he? I don't know. Yes, has I it? think he has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can I mean, see him going to West Brom. It's one of those situations Bruce. where even if I'm wrong, it proves the point. Yeah, yeah I love this. Um, it's always West Brom, actually. Um, West Brom and Chalbion on loan, 2018 yeah. 19. 23 goals in 39 games. So Reuniting with, with Brucey next season, mm. surely. Mm. Yeah, that would, that would make a lot of sense. Only yeah. true journeymen play for an airport. <laughs> yeah, he was, a non, he was a proper non league man, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> league man. Yeah, quite right. Quite right. Um, okay, well, Proper no disrespect to either Watford or Dwight Gale, or indeed the Championship, um, but it will be interesting to see where Dwight Gale goes next, because I feel like it will be very, very Dwight Galey. Next up, scenes from The Crucible, Charlie Eccleshare. Real knowledgeable crowd scenes here. <laughs> Real knowledgeable crowd scenes. Well, I don't believe it. we've got a pigeon in The Crucible. <laughs> what do you do? Have you ever seen anything like this? Oh, documented it. Oh, he's coming into the commentary box. Hello there. Where's the pigeon going? (laughs) Textbook. Textbook from everyone involved, I think, Charlie. I think everyone played their part there and they played their part extremely well. Lovely stuff. Were there any parrot pigeon jokes made? Oh, yeah, good one. Yeah, Um, John Parrot wasn't on there, was he? Which is a shame. That would have been an open goal. I like the um, I like the smattering of applause for the pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's all you can do. It's all you can do. It's it's um, the sporting equivalent of of someone dropping their pint, isn't it? Really, something unusual happening, and all you can do is clap it and, and weigh it. Absolutely right. Oh, I wonder what would have happened if he'd um, if the pigeon had shat on the table as pigeons are wont to do. Would the bloke with the with the guy with the gloves have to come out and just no? Apparently, sort of um, I'm reliably informed, or many people were reliably informed, that if it had indeed excreted on the bays they would have had to replace the bays and it would have been very annoying oh wow <laughs> so it would, it would have taken a hell of a long time the mood would have, have very quickly changed from replace murk. the bays surely surely just wheel a new table in I assume so yeah. maybe it has to be the same table I don't know I don't know about the regulations but, restitch um, the bays yeah. would you applaud the guy out who had to roll the, the table back out I guess oh definitely would. yeah 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 mm. yeah mm. Um, the inevitable byproduct of this, Dave, was, of course, the parody Twitter accounts yes. that sprung up. As a result, really? there was 
There was Crucible Pigeon. That's still was, happening. Yes, they, indeed. Crucible underscore Pigeon. Pigeon Crucible and Snooker Pigeon. All wow. soon to be abandoned, wasted. That's quite old school, isn't it? I thought, I mean, that's really like sort of... But it's a tap-in. You have 20, to do it. 2013 mm. Twitter, yeah. that is, isn't it, really? Yeah. Absolutely. It's come back yeah. round. There's still that chance, though, isn't there, Charlie, that one could go viral. <laughs> and you could, you could start tweeting out betting affiliate links mm. in three years. Yeah. Right? It's very hard to think of what that would be, of like what you do with that joke. Like you, you mm. must set that up and be like, OK, I've got it. I've got it going. Yeah. Now, now, what do I actually say? But I suppose it's hard to stand out from the crowd. Mm, it's such yeah. a crowded marketplace. And it doesn't really work on TikTok. Can't set no. up a parody account as a pigeon. No, definitely not. Um, the last word here should go to Mikey Smith, who tweeted, Riley, the pocket where the pigeon sleeps. <laughs> oh, oh nice. Very Excellent. nice. Well done, Mikey Smith. Very, very good indeed. Topical for us too. Meanwhile, Charlie, Elsewhere. sensational scenes because England games are going to be on Channel 4 mm. this summer. For the first time, I imagine. Can't, can't have happened before. But Channel 4 have won the battle to broadcast England's Nation League matches this summer. They will screen the three Lions games against Germany, Italy and Hungary. Channel 4. Decent games. Yeah. I mean, is that going to be James Richardson? I mean, that would be that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? What what do we I mean, what would that what what do we think Channel 4's coverage will look like? When when have they most recently done football? Did they do the Chelsea Club World yeah, Cup? Club World Cup final? Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And 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 Richardson hosted that. Mm. Yeah, Jimbo giving it giving it a hundred percent on that one. Um, I think I want Gary Bloom on commentary for this <sighs> Amazing, too. Amazing, yeah, yeah, that would be great. But yeah, Channel Four, a, a, a reliable but also quite casual pair of hands. Dave, I'm looking forward yeah. to this. It's going to be a nice change of pace. Yeah, I'm quite surprised, really, that you know because you would have thought ITV would have sort of gone all out to get you know they've very much become the home of out of tournament terrestrial England matches and Channel 4 you know not having the best time of it at the mm. moment are they or Channel 4 <laughs> is this a good thing for them probably is another yeah. yeah. like, broadcaster yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not, it's like the Amazon Prime situation isn't it where it, you know they'll sort of have to hoover up some people that whose contracts allow them to appear on other stations. I can sort of see Jonathan Pierce doing the commentary actually, Charlie. Ooh. Sort of harking back to his Channel Five days. Bit of a gun for hire. Clearly a very yeah. very capable pair of hands. Could it be time uh, for Drury to step oof. onto the national Imagine stage? Doing England feels weird for him doing England. I think as well with Pierce that's when when he's a bit sort of like the equivalent of him dressing down on a Friday or something, you know, it's a bit more casual Pierce and, and that can be a really great form of Pierce. Mm. But it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's good that England mm. become one step closer to completing the terrestrial set. Maybe not BBC Two though, Dave. That shouldn't happen, should it? Because that no. means that there'll be a better game going on on BBC One and that, that can't be allowed to happen. <laughs> can't have that. Yeah, the under-21s could play on BBC Two. <laughs> BBC Two Scotland, maybe. Um, but yeah. BBC mm. Alba. <laughs> Gives it a new lease of life, though, Channel 4. I'm quite excited. Yeah, definitely. Great. Looking forward to it. Going to be great coverage. Looking forward to it indeed. Um, next up, quite simply, here are Proverbs with Ian Dark. Ronaldo was thinking he might just be able to sneak in and cut that off. It was a panicky kind of clearance from Ramsdale, which ended up in the uh, proverbial row G. Why G, Charlie? I have no idea. Because, I mean, you can see the cogs working there. He didn't want to go for Z, despite that being the proverbial row. And yet he chose G. I wonder why. I mean, G seems fairly logical for a kind of flat, kind of thumped tackle style clearance into the crowd. But but, uh, Ramsdale kind of boomed it into the stands there. I don't know what he was doing. But why not go Z? Do you think just because it's too... Too happy, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, we've spoke, I think we've probably spoken about this before as well, that a lot of grounds now, like at Wembley, there is no Z, it's sort of like AA, because mm. it goes so far back. Yeah. But mm. G. 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 Proverbial G. You can't, Also, you can't say proverbial if you're then not going to say Z. You can't say proverbial. I won't have proverbial thrown around like that. Proverbial is overused anyway, and I've 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 thought this before. I remember a friend of mine used to say proverbial quite a lot. It's like not proverbial there. He sounds annoying. <laughs> he sounds annoying. I'll be honest. That famous Chinese proverb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he who kicks it into Rose Z. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go on to represent England at the World Cup in Qatar. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Matt Tate says he was watching the Arsenal versus Manchester United game. 
And whoever was commentating said Mikel Arteta is kicking every ball out there or something. So I wondered which manager kicks every ball the most often. Or which manager kicks the most balls? Mm. Dave, who, who instinctively are you going for here as the most ball, proverbial ball-kicking <laughs> manager in the Premier League? Uh, well, I, I think Arteta is probably right up there. He's very animated. He's even more animated than, than his mentor, Pep, mm. really, isn't he? Much to Keezy's chagrin on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But I think there's, there's logic there, Charlie, for Arteta being the top of this particular Premier League table because he's a recently retired player, relatively speaking. He's also very hands-on mm. and he also has this kind of immovable philosophy that he needs to he needs to see made flesh on a football pitch. So all those three things combined make for a very ball-kicking manager, don't they? Yeah, and I think he another way of framing this is what manager can you imagine it being said of them like, <laughs> I'd like to see his heat map from today. He, he, <laughs> he, he must have covered so much ground and I think that has been said about Arteta. Um, mm. The other ones are... Conte? Charlie. Yeah, Con- Conte is another one, but I don't know if he's kicking every ball in quite the same way. Generally exasperated yeah. or overjoyed. Exactly. Yeah, I, uh, my instinct says, Dave, that there are kind of four categories of manager in this particular respect. There are the genuine ball kickers, Mikel Arteta. There are the people who are perhaps beyond this now, either because they're too old or they're just too chilled out or, you know, Maybe someone like Hodgson or Moyes. Yeah, well, Hodgson very much has a watching brief and, and sits on the on the bench for most of the game. He'll come mm. out every now and again and mm. sort of just... just He's not going to waste his energy doing no. that sort of stuff. But Ray Lewington, mm. his assistant, mm. very oh. much kicks <laughs> every ball. shorted yeah. Ray Lewington. Constantly yeah. screaming instructions. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's the second type. The third type is like your Contes, Charlie, where... They are animated, but it's not directly related to the action of the game. He wouldn't, you wouldn't see Conte doing the phantom header, for example. I can't imagine yeah. Conte doing that. It's very British to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's more performance art. Then you've got the fourth type. These are, these are the managers who you think would be ball kickers. Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard. But they, they have overridden this with a, such an earnest managerial body language mm. that they can't be seen to be like lowering themselves to it. So Lampard is very deliberate. Lampard does a lot of sort of sitting his dugout very performatively as if, you know, everything's okay, I've got it all under control. And Gerard's very similar, arms crossed. I was going to say, it's the arms folded, yeah. furrowed brow, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> just the sort of like, I'm, I'm just working it all out in my head. Gerard is so Ibrox. There's something so Ibrox about him. It's, it's, it's the permanent sort of jumper and tie, and it's the statesman-like. Mr. Ibrox. Yeah. I mean, Villa Park, Villa Park very much, it's kind of like the English Ibrox, isn't it? Yeah, that brick. The red mm. brick. Mm. Trad brick. <laughs> Trad brick. One left field contender for this. One potential rival for Arteta's stranglehold of this league table, Dave. What about Ben Mee? Technically a manager. <laughs> <laughs> and he could potentially be kicking the balls. Literally. But not every ball. But, but if he was out there <laughs> and he was everywhere. I don't, know, I don't know what his injury status is. But if he got out there, Dave, and was everywhere. Would he be? Is he, actual, for, is he formally co- Co-caretaker manager. Yeah, exactly right. So he would be a player, player yeah. co-caretaker manager. <laughs> player co-caretaker manager, exactly. <laughs> yeah, really wanted to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. Um, don't see why not. I'm sure um, Attilio Lombardo did that at Palace. He was a uh, co-caretaker player manager, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so it's not unheard of, but it would be great to see. It'd be a lot of pointing, wouldn't it, Charlie? <laughs> so much pointing would be going on. I mean, would he play differently as a player manager? I think oh, there will definitely be discussions, though, won't there? When if if that happens and they're playing on Sky, yeah. Just, well, or they'd yeah. get they'd get Luca Viali on, wouldn't they? I mean, Luca, you you've been there. <laughs> what to talk about Burnley? Well, no, but it, you, you, <laughs> just for that reason, you've been there. You've gone from manager to player manager overnight, and you know how what, how hard is that to to make that adjustment? And, you know, <laughs> Finley coming on with his laminated folder and sort of dishing them out, <laughs> dishing out the pages to each player. We'd love to see it. Um, good luck to him anyway. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Let's look inward next. Uh, the Athletic UK's Twitter account during Manchester United's defeat against Arsenal at the weekend said Bruno Fernandes had a guilt-edged chance to draw Manchester United level from the penalty spot. Listener Ooh. Connor Ketley says, Is penalty a guilt-edged chance? Don't think I've ever heard it used for anything other than open play. What say we, Charlie? It jars. It does jar. It just, like you know a guilt edge chance when you've seen one. I just don't, I don't think about penalties. You, you talk about them in that you know. It's there, I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's almost it, implied, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's because yeah. then is you know then every penalty is a guilt edge chance. Yeah. Um, but, which statistically Dave, is the case, but Charlie's right, Dave. Statistically, penalties should be guilt edge chances. They're zero point seven six xg penalties. I mean, that's statistically on the cusp of guilt-edged, right? Or would mm. you say like 0.8 or more? I think I feel like we should be able to attribute a number to this. I always thought, this is one of these, when I, when I was sort of younger, that guilt as in yeah. G-U-I-L-T. I thought that as well, many yeah. Do. Um, yeah. Many, many do. But it's, it's G-I-L-T. So what does that word actually mean? Guilted. What? It means gold, gold-plated. Right. Okay. Right. Present, you were presented with a golden opportunity. Basically, yeah. Not that you should yeah. feel really guilty about missing it, which is what I no. assume. Yeah, this is what this is. That's the the working behind many people's mistakes with mm. this. Absolutely. Um, but Charlie, if I can offer you a kind of fantastical scenario, mm. if you were presented with the ball twelve yards out, the ball had stopped dead. There's no defender near you, and the goalkeeper, for some reason, is rooted on his line in open play. Pretty guilt edge to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just all context. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm trying to think of any goal has ever been anywhere close to that. <laughs> just everyone just leaves him. <laughs> I think I think the big difference is the guilt edge chance. There is there is a sort of slightly fleeting element about it. It sort of comes and it goes. Whereas the penalty, you have that time to weigh it up, to step up, to pick your spot. You know, it's the. It's, it is more in the attacker's favour, isn't it? Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think the summary of that then, penalties are really easy, which leads us nicely hmm. into Jorginho versus West Ham on Sunday and the most route one example of commentator's curse of all time. Well, if you want a reliable penalty taker to win you a game, you would put your money on Jorginho. Oh, and you lose it! of penalties it was almost like a back pass to Fabianski my sympathies here with uh, Rob Hawthorne Charlie he was a bit rushed he almost had to get that out as Jorginho was sort of starting his little skippy run up and I thought uh oh uh oh he's asking for trouble here he, he got it out just before he kicked it yeah at least but I think I heard this and, and I thought it was odd given that Jorginho missed the the penalty to win the Euros for Italy. And didn't he miss a couple of really important ones in their qualifying campaign as well? So it almost felt like he he, he wanted to to jinx Jorginho. I'm not sure I would. What if there was one man? I, just, I would never take this risk. Yeah. Ever. Uh, if my life was on the line or a game was to be won, I would not want someone doing a, a silly little run-up. Yeah, and I think the, the sheen has very much been taken off Jorginho's 
um, imperiousness at penalties. Even Bruno Fernandes, who uses the same technique, has missed a few lately, hasn't he? It, 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 it seems that goalkeepers have worked out that you actually just need to just stand still or even make a little tiny move one way and then just go back the other way, knowing that they'll go the opposite way. So we kind of cracked it. But it, I mean, it was a pathetic penalty, wasn't it? But I thought Rob Orton did well. He didn't dwell on the fact that he that he uh, what he'd done. He just cracked on, and there was a lovely noise from Gary Neville. Yeah, well. I, I like the fact that Rob Hawthorne said, "And you'd have lost it," <laughs> <laughs> as Fabianski flopped upon the ball. So he started out very nicely, and I don't want to discourage commentators. The uh, house you know. always wins. <laughs> Do gamble responsibly if you're gonna if you're gonna bet on penalties. <laughs> On guilt edge chances like that. Alistair Nunn asks, after Graham Souness and Kevin Campbell's half-time analysis of Chelsea versus West Ham, please could you in the adjudication panel discuss what exactly makes a team at it or not at it? Charlie, being at it is such a Soonessian thing, isn't it? He loves teams being at it. They're not at it. Yeah. At it. I was going to say, it's often the absence of um, Mm. the fact they're not at it. You You know when a team's at it, I think after about... Often it will be a team who you expect to get beaten. They're playing against a better team and they've just been winning every loose ball, sprinting into challenges. And there'll be one, let's say a right back receives the ball from his keeper and the left the left winger just comes flying into him, blocks the attempted pass. The right back looks a bit sluggish. He has to take a throw in. The left, the left winger opposition is right in their face. And after you'll say, that's just summed them up first 25. They've been, they've been at it from the start. That yeah, Dave, Charlie's got the first element of this bang on here. It's about being first to loose balls, first, you know, snappy into the challenges, etc., mm. etc., right from the off. But also I think there's an in-possession aspect of being at it, which is like getting the ball crisp, cute passes. <laughs> yeah, Sunes really does love that, doesn't he? That They just need someone who can just, you know, play a few cute passes. Cute passes. In the lanes. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, Charlie, when you said also, it, you know, the inverse is true of what you just described as well. Mm. The, the, team, the other team will be described as the ones who aren't at it if they're getting closed down. Mm. If the superior team is getting closed down or if they made a few stray passes, somebody will play like a, a ball inside the fullback expecting the winger to run mm. outside, but they don't. And it mm. just goes out for a goal kick and so they all look at each oh, other. So it's like a communication aspect and it's, of being just, it. just not really... Same wavelength. Not really at the races today. But... Dave, does does attitness work like possession? Could both teams be 100% at it or is that impossible? Mm. Be hard. Well, no. I mean, if you had a really fiery game where they were both diving into challenges, it was very even. Like but good quality as well. well. I think like, or even in like, yeah, like Liverpool, Man City. I was going to say, that, feel, that, that feels touchy. They were both at it. Both teams yeah. at it. But it's rare. Yeah. It is rare. Mm. It is rare. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are so many elements of being at it that kind of rely on another team not being at it. Mm. So, uh, difficult one. Um, potential can of worms question from Fozzy B next, Charlie. He simply asks, can a striker lurk without intent? <laughs> I think they can. <laughs> if you think about sort of the Thierry Henry pioneered style of lurking just beyond the offside line, mm. waiting, waiting for the opportunity to then become involved, that's lurking without intent because you aren't allowed to be involved. So that's quite good. That answers the question to mm. me. Or Van Nistelrooy used to do that famously, didn't he, from mm. free kicks? But I think, but there is an intent there. Yeah, you know, he's, it's a secondary intent. It's a, yeah, it's not the same phase not allowed of to intent. Be, have the intent, <laughs> but uh, it's hard. I don't. Is could you ever describe someone as just lur? He's just lurking. <laughs> just lurking. Is it hiding? Lurking without intent Ooh, is hiding. You're hiding. It's hiding for me. But that's so yeah, that's so negative, isn't it? Tricky one. I think you do. Good I, question I, from I think, Fossey B though. I think the words just follow. He's just mm. lurking with intent. Okay, potentially easier one for you then. This is from Adam ECFC who noticed Jonathan Pierce's commentary for Manchester City's opener against Watford this weekend. Sinchenko, all the freedom there of the Etihad. Time to bring it down, have a look up, get the cross in, pick his mark, and Jesus tapped it in. The question from Adam ECFC, Dave, simply is, only away players can have the freedom of Stadium X, right? Home players implicitly have freedom of their own stadium. I kind of agree with this, you can't have the freedom of your own stadium. Well, I actually, <laughs> this weekend, I was at the game this weekend yeah. and I was lamenting For to um, some, of my, some of my friends after the game um, about the second goal, actually, which came from a Kevin De Bruyne cross, which Jesus headed in from a yard out. And I said, 
and they and they, and someone said, "Oh, but what? It's a great ball from De Bruyne. You can't defend that." And I said, "I said, yeah, but if you will give him the freedom of East Manchester to do it." <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> right. First of all, you've already broken the the established rule that you can't have the the freedom of your own ground. But I can't. I, I struggle to believe that you said that out loud to another human on being. WhatsApp. Oh, okay. okay yeah. yeah. Well, the freedom of East Manchester. Good sort of vague geographical location, though. Also, I thought in that split second between East and Manchester, you were going to say Eastlands. (laughs) 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 You've gone really granular. My, the freedom of the Etihad campus. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, my my estimations of you plummet by the weekday. That's... (laughs) I can't believe you said that to someone else anyway. Right, Nifty Palms asks us, Charlie... Was Conor Roberts' goal for Burnley against Southampton the most and what a way to open your account for Team X goal there has been this season? Oh, wow. What, what is required for this phenomenon, he asks. <laughs> then he gives us a list of bullet points. It should be a long wait for the first goal, a goal of a high calibre, a player not signed to score goals, does not have a special shirt number like 8, 9 or 10, hmm. and it should be from outside the box. Nice little start, I think. Yeah, and um, gravity of the situation. Mm. I mean, the context. Oh, yeah, what a time. Uh, yeah, story. exactly. Yes. And so this is, yeah, both what a way and what a time yeah. to open your yeah. account. Because um, also, Adam, is, is, is he is he right-footed? Because if so as well, it's a very... Because I think he looks right-footed. The way Let's he, check FB ref. The way he... Because well, it's um, also very much the kind of goal I like, but you don't. Mm. Football numbers website FB ref says that he's 89% right-footed. Wow. So mm. that's very on yeah. his weaker foot. It did. It did look what a bit a of a looked a bit of a swinger to me. Mm. Mm. But not not necessarily quite in the aesthetically unsatisfying way that I have so often bemoaned on this podcast of people really swinging it. It was a he. It was a convincing left-footed performance to me. Mm. That goal. It, it wasn't. It wasn't but, way out. If you were watching him for the first time, you wouldn't be immediately convinced that he was right-footed. No. Well, the trajectory of the ball was quite nice. Yeah, had quite a nice little curve on it. But um, if you look at the replay, it, it the technique mm, okay. is slightly ungainly. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, it's certainly way up there as the what a way to open your account for Team X goal of the season, right? Um, Intray news, the intray phenomenon <laughs> sweeping the world. Charlie, last, I'll give this one to you. This is Emmanuel Macron's um, intray after his re-election as French president. Uh, this is from The Guardian. Securing a majority and appointing a government. Yeah. Cost of living crisis, pension schools, healthcare and crime, international affairs and reconnecting with voters. Getting the French people back on side. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, that, yeah, get another one. Because you know, someone has to be firing. So, was, you know, mm. get someone firing. You know, get, getting get his... the Republic rocky. <laughs> Get the Champs Elysees, make the Champs Elysees a fortress. Get get his foreign secretary firing again. As someone said on Twitter, make France a horrible place to come. <laughs> <laughs> and that really is absolutely perfect. So, had he cleared out his intray before the election? Presumably, he already had plenty to do. Yeah. I think it's fair to say you would refresh your intray if you got the job for the second time around because yeah. you know, you've been given a new mandate. Mm. So, uh, yeah. yeah, show them what you can do. Unfinished business. Amazing. <laughs> if um, Dave, this one's for you from The Guardian. This is Elon Musk's intray after uh, his takeover <laughs> attempt for Twitter. First one is Donald Trump's account. So I guess this is what, get Donald Trump tweeting again. Bring him back in from, the, from cold. the cold. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Put an arm around his shoulder. Um, but yeah, the intray phenomenon continues apace. And so indeed, does Keys and Grey Corner. <laughs> Um, huge preoccupation for Keys and Gray this weekend, and that was the announcement that Eric Ten Hag will be the new Manchester United manager <laughs> as of this summer. Um, Keys, he's got a little nickname for him, Charlie, and he just he just loves using it. Let's put it that way. Or Countryman was confirmed as the manager, the next coach of uh, Manchester United, yeah. Eric Ten Months, uh, uh, Ten Hag. Um, <laughs> Are you starting well, again? terrible now. You're Are you sorry. starting Can again? I apologise okay. on behalf of my friend? He needs to apologise on behalf of himself. You can't say that. Come on. Give the man a break, first of all. Give the man a chance as of well. Of course. We all wish that. him well. I mean, no, but your no, compatriot? 
Hullet. No, he's not, don't. He's, he's don't. not having it. <laughs> no, he's not. Charlie, first of all, if I had a pound for every time that Richard Keyes wished a new manager well, either either you know sincerely or otherwise, I would be a very rich man. Uh, he, but yeah, he also big lo- fan of that nickname. He loves as well making links like your compatriot, mm. as if that's not like I think he thinks that's really clever. To, he keep he, he will say that so often to De Jong about. I'm, I'm more sure. of a countryman man. Uh, yeah, yeah, your your fellow countryman. Compatriot feels like really over-engineering it, but yeah, your compatriot. Um, I would. I really hope there was just like a little moment where the penny dropped and he went, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Andy, I've got it. You wait, you wait. I'm going to put this in the blog and on the (laughs) in. No spoilers, Andy. Yeah, he put it out everywhere. It's up there with him, Hopeless, which Mm. remains one of his finest works. But the um, the discussion over Ten Hag did have its constructive moments, Dave. <laughs> this wasn't all about cheap shots. Here's Kesey rolling out one of his favourite opinions about managers like Ten Hag. What worries Definitely. me is he's another school teacher. He's another coach. How coach. do you know he that? Then, he, he speaks from the <laughs> coaching Ralph Ranić came in with a reputation as being the father <laughs> of the modern game. Yeah, yeah. How Everybody you know looked up to Ranić. Yeah, yeah. He has been destroyed. Kesey. And leaves probably with people laughing. It, it, uh, I don't wish Kesey. that upon Ten Hag. Kesey. That um, De Jong's dress of "How do you know that?" is is just about the most pertinent response. I mean, to anything he says. How bit, do you know the that? Bit, the bit Dave where he says, "Well, people were laughing." It's a bit like I was dialing nine, Lynn. I was hitting nine. <laughs> <laughs> If ever there was a link needed between Partridge and Keys, there it was. Um, so we've established that. Um, Eric Ten Hag may not have much time to prove himself, Charlie. Dave, we've established that Ten Hag is too much of a studious manager for Keezy's liking, but we now establish that Ten Hag simply doesn't have enough testosterone for the job. One thing he's, worries me, he's a stickler for detail. You don't know that. Is he really? He's big a players with, want with, big personalities. In the they modern want game. big characters around them. They Keezy. want to go in the dressing room and go, yeah, I tell you what, I'll, I'll do it for you. Oh, How by the way, you know here's that? your pad. And so, did, did you get the video I sent you the other night? So you're you telling me that <laughs> he's not the type of coach that the players wouldn't, wouldn't go for? through a fire for it, I, it, we 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 well, have to discover that. that's the case yeah, but that's my what I said. so you've got to give him a chance my you fear is that chance. is so and manchester united are a big club they play on a big stage and they need a big character and he doesn't strike me <laughs> they need Mourinho. they need someone like jose Mourinho. <laughs> here's your here's your pad yeah <laughs> and watch here's your video i sent you <laughs> But yeah, when Kesey brings his his upturned palms mm. to his chest, you know he means business <laughs> about the uh, the prospects of a new manager. What's amazing um, is that Kesey would genuinely believe Brucey would be a better fit. I, gen- well, I genuinely believe that. Interesting that you say oh, no that way. because Ten Hag has been announced as the new Manchester United manager or incoming Manchester United manager, but that didn't stop <laughs> Richard Keyes suggesting his... <laughs> Candidate. Let me put another one to you. And I would hate to think that he might go somewhere because he's been magnificent for my club. Mark Robbins played for Manchester United, understands yes. the culture of the club. Yes. What a CV he's got. Dragging, <laughs> dragging Coventry out by the boot. Right? Like Fergie did. Fergie came from Aberdeen. Yes. I'm, I'm not disputing what you say. Why can't that I'm happen saying now? it can't happen now because of the reasons I've said. We've got too many foreign coaches. Uh, too many foreign coaches, too many uh, foreign ma- uh, owners who think that um, if you've not got a phone coach, you haven't got anything. <laughs> Mark Robbins. <laughs> he was deadly serious. I mean, he I wasn't mean, even the kind of, oh, well, you know, my, my guy, Coventry guy. Genuinely believes because he knows the club because he played Mark there Robbins. 58 million years ago. Mark Robbins. <laughs> um, I mean, we should, so, uh, look, we, I don't want to be accused of, you know, football snobbery and I'm sure Mark Robbins, I'm sure, is doing an absolutely brilliant job. Has but, done a good job, yeah, no but, doubt. I mean, what CV he's got? No, knowing the club. It, but the Aberdeen comparison is ridiculous. They were in, they won European <laughs> trophies. I know, it's really annoying. Coventry it's are really eighth annoying. in the championship. <laughs> yeah, but he knows the club. Yeah. None of that stuff matters. When did he last play for them? Eighties. <laughs> Old Trafford still had terracing the last time he played for them. <laughs> What's that rule him out? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you tell me. Right, uh, he's got no experience of managing a top club with people sitting down. Are there any employees left at Manchester United that were there when Mark Robbins last played for them? <laughs> the tea lady. The tea lady. He doesn't mess around with pads and videos. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so very well-worn paths here for Keys and Gray. Um, but finally, this all stems, this, this, um, this propensity for Premier League clubs to look o- to overlook 
likes of Mark Robbins, etc., is all because there aren't enough UK club owners out there. Now, they started their podcast trying to list them but couldn't think of any. Then someone helped out and it all just got hilarious. <laughs> Uh, uh, you've just had a message passed yeah our little mate Chris Wells the (laughs) Elton's boy who works with us over here top top guy Um, uh, Matthew um, Bentham Brentford British oh well done Uh, Tony Bloom Brighton British Uh this this one made me laugh (laughs) Chelsea UK government <laughs> uh, there are others. Parish Palace, yeah. Delia Smith, we've done that one, yeah. Joe Lewis at Spurs, yes. <laughs> oh, it just goes on a little bit too long, the laughter. He's really proud of that, isn't he? He loves that one. <laughs> both, un- both a bit under the weather, so the coughing kicks in as well, which really does top it off. Yeah. Guess the Brentford owner's name wrong, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, a, a solid keys and grey corner, Charlie. Has everything we want, but um, yeah, I. I mm. Lovely. Too easy. Too easy this week. It was it was like a, a gilt edge chance of a keys and grey corner. It was, although it's good to see De Jong cracking a bit. I'm fascinated to see how that plays out because how he has the patience for that, I do not know. So um, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's fighting from two very solid grounds there, isn't he, Dave? He's Dutch and the guy should be given a chance <laughs> first. Yeah, yeah. No, De Jong is, as we've said before, De Jong is brilliant. He plays. He's playing a vital role there. Yeah, he is. He's, he's playing. The, he is asking the questions that the audience mm. would he wasn't want there, to ask. It would be the ultimate yeah. echo chamber. It really yeah. would be. And you need him to challenge because taking the stuff back to him. It, that, it's good because it provokes Keys into often saying even more ridiculous things. Like there, he w- initially his. I apologise. Yeah, apologise for my court. Yeah, what was his reservation? My friend. His- my friend. His initial reservation was obviously nonsense, so then he had to change it to my worry and my concern yeah, for him. Exactly, because you can't the, argue with that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just I'm, worried. It's that I care too much about him. Yeah. You he worry, becomes, Rob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He becomes Rob Shepherd in the Impossible Job. You worry, Richard. You do the worrying. Anyway, very, very solid keys and great corner to wrap up this week's adjudication panel. Cheers for everyone for waiting for this one. Thanks to you, Dave. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie. Thank you, Adam. See everyone on Thursday. Bye-bye. Okay, this is looking at it through uh, rose-tinted glasses from the past. I I, I apologise there for a slip of the tongue. Uh, But but Lizzie, your love of the sport just shines through. Oh, yeah. um... The Athletic.